Hello and welcome to the Alan Parry podcast. It's the 25th of June on a Sunday afternoon. I'm going to be recording this and uh, I've just got a, a message which tells me that, um, what did it say? It said that it's the uh, it's the halfway point of the year. Don't you love a cheery message like that? I don't know why I find that a depressing message, but somehow, uh, somehow I do. Um, maybe you find it optimistic, but it just feels like God, I could have done without that message. It just popped up on my phone for no reason. Half the year is through. You've wasted your life, Alan Perry. You've wasted your life. Yeah, so I'm going to do a format change because I started off doing these uh, podcast thingies with uh, interviews. I'll still do them every now and again, but I don't have a team, you see, so it's kind of difficult to find, you know, who am I going to interview and... Um, you know, I need to do the research even when I found people I'd like to interview so it can all get a little bit tricky. So what I thought I'd do is I'd, I'd try something new. So I'm going to check in with you and just kind of have a little chat every every weekend. It might be a Friday or Saturday or Sunday, depends what I'm doing. And I'm just going to, you know, share with you what's buzzing around my brain, what I've been up to, what's coming up next and all that malarkey. And um, yeah, and I'll play you out with a song of the week. And, you know, I'll have a look in about four to six weeks and see if it's crap or not. So let me know. Is this crap? (laughs) You know, it probably will be, but who knows? But let me know, you know, because it's horrible when you create things and you you put things out and all you get is tumbleweeds. So let me know either way whether this is something you'd like me to carry on doing. Because if it's fun for you, it'll be more fun for me. And if you don't, if you don't care, you know, you don't want me to do it. If nobody's out there listening, or nobody's enjoying it, then you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try, I'll try finding a friend to talk to. That'll be a task and a half. Yeah. So let me know. I do like your feedback. Um, what you like about it, what you don't like about it, whether you think this is a good idea or not. You, you might hear me, me voices a little bit. Uh, a little bit scratchy. Um, that's because I did a gig last night up in Crosby. Big thanks to Graham Gibson and all of the Crosby Massive who uh, who came to uh, his place. If you want me to do house gigs, by the way, do give me a shout. Um, you can get me on alan.parry at gmail.com or al at parrysongs.co.uk if you prefer. And uh, I love doing house gigs. They're all dead intimate. And uh, I call them micro gigs, actually, because not everyone likes to have it in their house. So sometimes I'll do it in a really tiny room. I did one in... Um, well, funnily enough, actually, I was going to say I did one at Connoisseur Ales up in St. Helens recently, which was a lovely little gig. And funnily enough, one of the one of the guys at the house gig last night actually had a, a couple of bottles of Connoisseur Ales um, beer, you know, so uh, nice little link up there. But yeah, I, I do. Uh, I like to do these micro gigs. So get in touch. They're really intimate, you see, you know, that you see these bands on stadiums or you go and see a band at a stadium. I just don't do it. You know, I'd. I can't see the point of going to a stadium to watch a band because you just, they're like a pixel miles away. And uh, I always like nice little intimate gigs. Gabby and Pete, uh, the Good Intentions, they they used to do house gigs and that's where I first kind of got into them. They're lovely. Um, you know, I've seen some really good people at uh, house gigs and I enjoy playing them myself. So that's what I was doing last night. I was up in uh, up in sunny Crosby um, in Graham Gibson's place um, had all his mates round, and uh, it was a lovely night. You know, it was. It was a lovely night, and um, I'm not sure that I'm their kind of music because I noticed a few of them had just come back from Elfest, so I think they were more. I think they like things a bit more thrashily, thrashy and metally 
than I offer. So when I came along with my folky choruses, <laughs> yeah, when I came along with my folky choruses, uh, I'm not sure that that they, that was really their normal cup of tea. But you know, I, I think I won them over in the end because by the time we got to "If Harry Don't Go," everyone was singing along. And uh, I noticed that they managed to grab themselves a, a few copies of the albums as well. So thanks very much, everyone, if you're listening. I did enjoy that, and I'd love to do some more house gigs. I've actually got um, I've actually got a new little PA system, which is really funky for that kind of thing. Not that I'll use a PA in your house and annoy your neighbours and stuff like that. Um, but I was just thinking in terms of the smaller micro gigs. Like I did last one completely unplugged, and it's quite nice to do that. But sometimes you're in like a, a smallish room, but it's kind of too big just just to sing acoustically. I mean, it's not because I've got a big gob, but um, I don't know, it kind of is at the same time, simply for the reason that no matter how much I tell myself that I'm not going to, I'm always kind of straining my voice to try and hit the back of the room and it kind of changes the vocal quality in the moment and, and it, it knackers your voice a little bit as well doing it acoustically um, in those sorts of settings where it's just a little bit too big for it. And, of course, if there's any little bits of chatter, then you're competing just one unamplified voice with lots of unamplified voices. So what I've got is... um, Although I have to say, I don't tend to have those gigs very often, you know, where people are chattering. I do like a, a listening audience, so... And people come to hear my stories. Anyway, that's off the point, because what I've got is this lovely little PA thing. And it's about the size of a ghetto blaster, if you remember them from the 80s. Um, So you kind of just pick it up and go, and it it knocks out... Well, I'm hoping it knocks out a decent sound. I mean, it sounds nice in the house, and it sounds loud in the house. So hopefully that transfers when when I come to play. I'm actually going to test it out, because I've got a gig... I've got a gig in Leeds. If, is anyone in the Leeds area, the Yorkshire area? Come on over. Um, it's at the Adelphi, and I'm doing that on Friday. It's a Unite gig, so um, it's it's you know primarily for the members of that Unite branch. But I've spoken to them and said, I've got a few mates and supporters up in Yorkshire. Can they come along? And they said, absolutely you can. So get yourself over onto there. It's at the Adelphi, uh, which I think is a pub, but all the details are on parrysongs.co.uk forward slash gigs and just scroll down through the year until you find where we're up to at the moment and um and you'll you'll see the uh, the gig details there incidentally I'm, i've got a few dates spare actually for the latter half of this year and the start of next year so if you want me come and get me i'm not that expensive really um so just give me a shout if you're interested in booking me whether it be a union do a micro gig um come to your house you know, whatever it happens to be, or a folk club, or a festival, or anything, give me a yell because I'd I'd enjoy playing for you. Um, yeah. So anyway, I was saying that I've got this uh, PA, and it's a it's a tiny little thing. It weighs eleven pounds, so you just pick it up and go. Really, you know, I I do. You know, you in the past I've had these other kind of things, and you have a speaker, then you have another speaker, then you have a PA top which weighs a ton, then you have a mixing desk. This is just a thing with two inputs. One for me gob, one for me guitar. <clears throat> it's got all nice little reverb settings. So I'll be testing that out in Leeds. So if you want, if you want to hear the day, de- the stunning debut of my PA system, then uh, come along to Leeds. Yeah. So what what else have I been doing? I've I've kind of had my head in um, in psychology um, this week because I did a workshop on nonviolent communication. 
I think it was in episode 17, I did like a big hour-long conversation on non-violent communication and what what that is. And it's something that's kind of um, changed my way of looking at the world over the past, say, maybe three years. And um, I've started kind of teaching workshops in it. And uh, I did a workshop at Nosley Youth Mutual, which used to be Nosley Youth Service. And uh, it went really, really well. I was so pleased with how it went. And it was the first workshop of this kind that I did. And um, it went perfectly to time. You know, the sorts of things that I thought would be glitchy, it just wasn't. It, it worked like an absolute dream. And I know that people got an awful lot from it. So that's what I've been doing most of the week. In fact, I've had my head buried in development of this workshop and just going over things and editing it and running through so I knew it backwards so I could deliver it smoothly and just making sure all the exercises were okay as well. And um, so that was a lovely day that I had on Thursday, I think it was, on Thursday morning, going up to Nosley Youth Mutual there and uh, giving their management team um, an introduction to non-violent communication. It's a funny name, actually, non-violent communication, because people always think, well, I don't need that because I'm not violent. It's better. I, I like to think of it as connecting communication because like, there's two ways that we can talk to each other. One actually builds walls between each other. And you see that a lot, you know, in political discourse. I know a lot of you are politics heads out there. Um, but I see a lot in terms of the way we talk to each other. We give each other judgmental labels and stuff like that. And there's another way we can talk to people, which is much more connecting. And I think especially if you're trying to open people's hearts into maybe changing their outlook on things, then I think that's possibly a better way of doing it. So that's the kind of thing I've been I've been uh, doing this week. And uh, I'm, I'm going back to my psychology training. Uh, about three years ago, I, I started training to be a psychotherapist and um, God, it done my head in really. Um, there was a, a case, I wrote the song, um, a song for John Hartwell about some of my misgivings. And I still have some of these misgivings, you know, because I think... Um, I think any kind of therapeutic relationship should be uh, a power with, you know, that you're working together, not a power over. And sometimes, you know, I think it sneaks over into a power over where where a therapist thinks there's some sort of magician. And I, I don't believe in any of that. But I'm going back to finish off my studies because it's something that just won't leave me. I'm just dead interested in it. If you go to my blog over at alanparry.com or you listen to the past podcast, you know that what I'm often writing about is stuff in the personal development field. So I thought, right, sod it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this done. I'm gonna go and finish off my studies, and maybe change my expectations a little bit, and go in and and finish because I'm dead interested in this. And I've been rereading a, a book, um, which is called Changing Lives Through Redecision Therapy, and it was written by two of my heroes of the uh, therapy movement, which was Bob Goulding and Mary Goulding, who I'd, I think from my reading of them, because there's a couple of videos of them on YouTube talking about social change and peace. I think they were lefties really as well. And uh, I really like their stuff. I'm enjoying going through their book again, having new thoughts about therapy and psychology and all that sort of stuff. And um, I'm coming to the conclusion, you know, that a lot of them... A lot of personal change comes down to anxiety, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves. And um, yeah, so I'm kind of getting into that. I noticed they've written some more books. So I've only got the one book by theirs. And that that 
um, made them heroes for me in terms of what their message was, that it was such a power with message, so powerful um, and, and so, so um, you know, what they do really, they put the, they put the person in charge, not the, not the therapist. And uh, I really like their approach. One of the things that is kind of like a core thing in, in therapy is something called transference. You might have heard of this um, over time and um, when, you, when, you, when you see things on telly or whatever. But transference is basically where a lot of therapists think that in order to be effective, there has to be this point in the, in the therapy whereby um, they kind of put your parents, you put your parents' face on the therapist. So you start to kind of, um, what's the best way of saying this? I'm trying to think. So I start treating my therapist as though the therapist is my father or my mother or whatever it happens to be. And they think that's a core part of it. And I've always been very uncomfortable with it because I think that leaves the client in quite a, uh, I don't know, quite a powerless and vulnerable position um, that could be taken advantage of. And one of the things I really loved, uh, while I, I used to say this a lot when I was um, studying therapy, I used to... I used to say that this was something that should be challenged and everybody told me I was daft. But the Gouldings always did challenge it, so it's nice sometimes as well, isn't it, to be validated by by people that you really respect who have a similar view of stuff that you do. So that's what I've been reading um, um, this week, and it's, it's been really uh, interesting. I've also been uh, reading some fiction. I haven't read fiction for such a long time. And uh, I decided that what I would do is I would I would join a book club um, you know, I think it's good sometimes, isn't it? There's some of these solo things. I do a lot of things on my own, you know, like I'm doing this podcast now. I'm sat in an empty room chatting to you, which isn't quite alone if you end up listening to it. But in the, in the making of it, it's alone. And then I do my music and, you know, I'm a solo performer and I write. And so there's a lot of things that I do which are kind of quite solo. And I think it's a good idea sometimes to socialise some of these solo things. I thought, I know, I'll... I'll I'll go back to a book club that I used to be a member of um, a couple of years ago. I went a few times. I say I used to be a member. I wasn't that solidly in it, but I did go. And the thing I like about book clubs is that you end up reading stuff. Um, you end up reading stuff that you would never, ever have read. Um, unfortunately, one of the book clubs, because I was in two book clubs a while ago, um, <laughs> I didn't finish this book at all because it was so badly written, right? And um, but I was in this book club, and this this woman showed up who'd never been there before, and it was at the time when um, there was a big kind of media frenzy around Fifty Shades of Grey, and I'd miss the media frenzy because I don't tend to really engage. I don't, you know, I hardly ever have the telly on. I try and keep away from the news because I, I don't find it particularly good for my emotional state. And so me and the media are at real arm's length. So I hadn't heard any of this kind of fuss that had gone on around the, the book, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. And anyway, this woman who who was there for the first time said, I know, why don't we read? And then suggested that. And everyone else was up for it. I didn't know what the hell it was. So I downloaded this onto my Kindle. And um, I have to say, I didn't even get to any of the saucy bits. <clears throat> I didn't get to any of the saucy bits because I just thought it was so badly written. Uh, it was it was driving me potty just in terms of uh, just in terms of the, like the English language of it, and it 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 kind of it kind of was annoying me on a class perspective as well. That it seemed to me that the only thing this guy had going for him was that he was rich, and there was some sort of like fetish being made out of his wealth. 
and uh, so that kind of got on my nerves as well and I just I just couldn't carry on with it so I I ditched it before we even got to any sauciness so I, I don't even know <laughs> I don't even know whether that was that that's worth the bad writing or not but that aside you know I've read loads of good stuff simply because I've been in book clubs and then they suggest things for you to write uh, to read sorry so you know I've never I often quote Neil Gaiman actually because I saw um I saw a cracking university acceptance speech and I've heard a few interviews with Neil Gaiman and I really like the guy but I've never read anything that he's written and thanks to deciding to join this book club I mean I haven't been there yet and they don't know I'm coming <laughs> so I'm just going to show up and uh, I think it's welcoming it was like that last time but they stick up on the internet what they're going to be be reading and I've just read uh, a Neil Gaiman for the very first time I can't remember the the name of it now it was called something like uh, the ocean at the end of our lane uh, I'm sure you know the one that I mean if you're Neil Gaiman fans but I have to say I loved it I really really liked it I'm not the kind of person who particularly likes fantasy stuff you know I know a lot of people like um Terry Pratchett and stuff and I tried that and I just I just couldn't get into it and I think I think the thing is with fantasy stuff I find it really hard <laughs> I find it really hard to care what happens to a goblin <laughs> I know that's uh, I know that's probably speciesist of me but you know when the elves and goblins and stuff I just can't get into it I, I, I just have some sort of disconnect with all that um, so I know there's lots of you who really care what happens to hobbits and goblins but uh, I don't know I just can't get into them but this this wasn't like that at all it was a definite fantasy world um, but quite realistic naturalistic as well and then this naturalism would kind of shift I was thinking actually as an author when you create a world like that you've got lots of outs you know when a character gets stuck and would be stuck by the normal laws of physics a fantasy writer can just create a, a a change in the laws of physics in order to get the character out of trouble but you know I, I really did enjoy it I like the characters so um maybe I'll try another Neil Gaiman one maybe I will dip not just my toe but maybe the rest of my foot into some more fantasy stuff just make sure that it's not <laughs> goblin related and then uh, then I might find that I'm all right so I really enjoyed that and it was quite a short book as well I, I ate it sometimes, especially with non-fiction, where you, you look and, you know, there's an idea there that you want to explore and it's interesting to you. And a lot of these books, you feel like this could have been like a few blog posts at most and then someone's gone and written a 400-page book. And the, the, the good thing now about electronic books is the authors are beginning to decide that you don't have to put 400 pages in it. Do you know what I like for a self-help book or a non-fiction book? About 100 pages, that does it for me. And this fiction book by Neil Gaiman was the same, so it was like a nice, short little novel. You know, it, it didn't feel like I was taking too much on. And um, and each chapter as well didn't feel like... Are you like me? I like small chapters. If ever I write a book, every chapter will have no more than five pages in, and ideally less. Because I just think it's motivating, isn't it? You know, you you finish the end of a of a, of a chapter and you think... Shall I carry on or shall I go to sleep? Because I read in bed a lot. Shall I go to sleep or do something else or whatever? And then you have a little nose and you think, okay, there's only a few pages for the next, you know. And on a Kindle, it'll say something like, you know, one minute in this next chapter. And you think, okay, I'll give you a minute. And then the next thing, you know, you've read half the book. So that's that's my little trick if I ever write a book. And um, funnily enough, I say that, that I've got a book coming out. 
Um, I've already written a book, but this is slightly different. It's coming out, I think, on the 16th of September. It's a children's book called um, The Little Girl Who Forgot How to Dance. And um, it's one of those kind of picture books. So I did the story, and I got my fellow folk singer, Tracy Curtis, um, to illustrate it. Now, I don't know if you've seen some of Tracy's album covers, but they're gorgeous. So um, Tracy kind of jumped in and said that she would illustrate the book. And her pictures are absolutely lovely. So that book's coming out with... Um, it's coming out through Beaten Track Publishing, which is an award-winning publisher. And that's coming out on the 16th of September. So I'm saying if I, if I ever write a book, but I've written one, and it's coming out in a couple of months' time. So that's exciting, isn't it? Um, and, you know, just in time for Crimbo, I suppose. You know, you'll be able to buy that for, for um, anyone who you want to get a Crimbo present for. And uh, so that'll be nice. It'll be nice just to have it as a physical copy. It's a, it's a lovely little uh, project that we did together. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. We might even be getting um, Tracy up. Have you not? Have you heard Tracy's stuff? She spells it E-Y, Tracy. Tracy Curtis, she's based in Wales. You will love her stuff. If you like my stuff, you, you're going to like her stuff as well because it's in a similar sort of genre. Um, but it's also different enough from what I do to kind of not just be more of the same. You know, she writes lovely, lovely lyrics. I really like Tracy's stuff. Um, so because we're going to be doing a little bit of promo around the book um, and the launch of the book, we're going to try and get a, a little gig together. I've sent that up to the folks at Beaten Track Publishing to see if uh, they want to get involved in that because uh, Nigel, who's one of the team there, he does a load of uh, music stuff as well. So uh, we might well have a, a joint Alan Parry, Tracy Curtis gig uh, to coincide with the promo of the book launch. So keep an eye out on that. I'm not sure how that's going to go, but hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll go well. I have actually got another book in mind. I was thinking of getting some of my blog posts and just kind of giving them a bit of rewrite, putting a bit of narrative line to them, you know, organising them for you. And um, I've bought that Scrivener software that allows you to do that. All the writers use Scrivener. And it was only about 25 quid, so I've downloaded that. That's at the ready, and I'm going to put all my stuff in there, and that'll allow me to organise things and move stuff around. You know, if you've got, like, a big, long document, it's difficult in Microsoft Word to move stuff around, so Scrivener makes it easy. So I'm all set on that. Do you know, I've got about a million projects in my brain. I think I should be living a million lives simultaneously. But then I, I say that, and then some of the time I'm just sat there bored and scrolling through Facebook. So maybe there'd be a million Allens scrolling from Facebook, which we could we could sure do without. I'm trying to edit Facebook, by the way. I decided that it was making me miserable again. I took it off my phone a couple of months ago, and um, and then <laughs> and then I started to trick myself. You see, I didn't have the app on my phone, um, so I, I I found a way of getting onto Facebook through my browser, and I found you know, that my browser remembered. So all I had to do was type in F and it would come up with the Facebook thing. I'd press enter and I was back on Facebook and that was a nightmare. So Facebook just pulls you in, doesn't it? And the thing I hate about Facebook is when it started off, it was kind of fun, wasn't it? There was people that you'd not really been in touch with for like years or you had quite a distant connection with and you were in touch with them again and okay, you weren't in each other's pockets, but you were in each other's lives and you were getting their stories, what was happening to their kids and, you know, what was happening in their relationship, where they went on holiday and it's all, all nice little kind of keeping in touch things. And now, you know, most of the people on Facebook 
um, you know, you, you, you kind of pick them up through life, don't you? So I wouldn't say most of the people. There's certainly people on Facebook. I think, oh, who's that? <laughs> I don't know if you do that. It's like, um, you know, you, you'll find somebody and you'll go to add them and it'll say, you have 12 mutual friends and you'll look at who the mutual friends are and you don't know three of them. And you think, oh, okay, um, we're friends, but I don't know who that is. So uh, I think that's a common Facebook phenomenon, which actually I don't mind at all. That's that's cool, and it's uh, it's another opportunity, isn't it? It's sort of uh, to to add a, a connection. That's and Facebook's been useful for that. But God, hasn't it changed? You know, it just seems to be people on hobby horses who are there telling telling each other how much they hate somebody else or link into some bloody clickbait or whatever, and. You know, I, I I would sit there. I think I think on some level, um, you know, because I live on my own as well. I think on some level we scroll through because we're looking for connection in that moment, perhaps. And uh, other times we're just bored, and we never allow ourselves to be bored anymore, do we? And um, yeah, so we just kind of scroll through looking for something to read. And I thought, well, sod this. I'm not doing it anymore. It makes me miserable. It kills time. No wonder half the year's gone. You know, because I've been sat there scrolling on Facebook. So I thought, I'm not doing it anymore. I've, I've got rid of that habit. And I've decided that if I want to read something, I'm going to choose what to read. And I think that's what led me into getting my old psychotherapy books out again and, and reading the Gouldins and picking up my book club stuff and reading Neil Gaiman. So that's my that's my mid-year resolution, seeing as we're halfway through the year, is that Facebook, I will go on with great discretion. I will go on and... Uh, I will see every now and again what's happening and respond to people and have a little nose, but it will be kind of very, very metered. And if I'm looking to, uh, if I'm looking to be stimulated, I'll get a book and I'll read something of my own choosing rather than waiting for some sort of hate-filled shite in order to 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 fill my headspace. It really does kind of uh, get me down. Um, what else have I been doing this week? Let's see what. Oh, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm I'm working on a um, on an improv workshop, um, you know, to actually deliver one. So I've got me non-violent communication thing out of the way, and uh, I'm going to be uh, developing improvised theatre. It's something. It's something actually I saw an example of in Liverpool just the other week. But it was interesting that uh, that that happened because I've been I've been advertising for improvisers for the past month. Um, so it probably looks like I'm nicking someone's idea, but it's it's you know it's it's not an original idea that people do this. I went on an improv course in London. Um, yeah, I went to that London on that train, and um, I did a course there. But and it was run by these improvisers from. Um, and I'm talking about improv theatre, not improv music now. So like improv comedy and stuff. And and these people do like full length plays. They're called. Parala, oh, what's their name called? It's bonkers. They shorten it to P-Graph, but <laughs> it's called Paral... Oh, I can't say it. Let me try again. <laughs> it's called Parallelogrammophonograph. Hey, Parallelogrammophonograph. There you go, P-Graph for short. And they're based in Austin and Texas, and they do these really cool workshops where they teach you how to do it. So I went and did a really fun course with them. I got lovely feedback from them. Um, really, really enjoyed it with a load of other um, madcap improvisers, um, some from London, some from elsewhere. 
and um, I decided that I would actually put this into practice. Now I thought the I thought the middle of them um, because they taught you how to kind of well I tell you what they taught you they taught you the story spine the Pixar used for all their films that was actually taught to them by an improviser, um, which is pretty interesting, isn't it? And I've, I think I've blogged about that on alanparry.com as well if you want to have a nose on it. But I found the middle bit still a little bit unscaffolded. I was thinking if I was in a scene, you know, and I'm trying to make an entire play without a script, I think I'd still find this quite dangerous, the middle bit. The, the, the first bit seems okay and the ending bit seems okay. So I've been beavering away, reading loads of stuff on story structure and also reading um, other improvisers who've done similar things to P-Graph just to try and get a more solid structure in place. And I've advertised for people who have some experience in improv who who want to put some full-length plays together. And I've, um, I've managed to get, you know, about 20 responses. Some of them live too far away, I think, and some of them are brand new to improv. So I'll, I'll probably be directing those some, somewhere else. But I think we've got a good core there. So I need to build a workshop and then we'll put the workshop together and then see how it goes from there. So that's quite exciting too because I'm currently improv homeless and, um, you know, it's it's an, it's a nice way of being able to be playful. The thing I'm looking to do is that, see, everyone does improv and it's comedy and what I want to do is kind of take the comedy straitjacket off. I think often when people are improvising because they think it has to be comedy, it makes it harder for them. They're always trying to think up a gag and they, they judge how well a scene is by how how much people laughed, where there's so many watchable scenes that can be created, which is, it's actually drama rather than comedy. And so, and also I think when the comedy happens through something a bit more dramatic and, uh, you know, not trying to be funny, I think the comedy is actually a lot funnier anyway. So what I'm hoping to do is to develop this kind of, little improv theatre company which will essentially do full-length plays on a regular basis like 60-minute plays where the genre will be discovered just as the story is it might be comedy one month it might be uh, a thriller the month after that it might be a kitchen sink drama after that you know that will happen in and of the telling Um, so that's what I'm looking to do to to me and and a bunch of other actors to get together and start doing these improvised plays live in front of an audience so that's what I'm going to be doing over the next few weeks really putting that together it's probably going to be like a a a workshop over two nights I reckon and so I need to do all the education stuff but I like this stuff you know I think I'm quite naturally a teacher you know it's something I've done in the past I've I've worked as a teacher in the past and you know I've worked as a lecturer and I do training now as as part of what I do and I just like teaching people things and um it's a nice way to touch lives, I think, isn't it? Any teacher out there, I said that in a funny voice, it's a nice way to touch lives, because it was half swallowing at the same time. So yeah, that's that's something else I'm going to be engaged in. Um, i tell you who I went to see the other day, I went to see uh, Count Arthur Strong, uh, I've been taping, um, you can say I'm old, because I, I still refer to recording shows as taping, you know, as though I've still got a VHS recorder. But I, I, I record um, Count Arthur Strong, so I've not actually seen a lot of this series, but I really I really uh, loved the first series, and I loved seeing him live at the, at the Playhouse in Liverpool last year. So he's on tour at the moment, so I managed to get to see him at the Empire. And uh, I took my mum with me. Um, I had a spare ticket, and I knew my mum has a, has a daft humour like me, so I knew she'd like Count Arthur Strong. 
and it's uh, it's just good old fashioned silliness. And so we were we were sat there chuckling for a you know the problem was I was sat next to this woman who obviously didn't know who Count Arthur Strong was had been dragged along by her partner, and it is the kind of humour you have to get. You know, it's like. I don't think my dad gets Arthur Strong. It's not really it's not really what touches his funny bone. Um because I think it's too silly um for me dad. But my mum is into that and I'm into that. You know, it's a bit slapstick, it's a bit daft and everything. And I think this woman who was sat next to me, she just <laughs> she just didn't get it at all. And it kind of spoiled it a little bit. I, I wanted her to leave at the interval. I was desperate for this woman to leave at the interval. Because I could see that she was bored. And you know, our laughter is infectious. Thankfully, the guy in front was sick laughing, you know, through the whole of the show. You know, he couldn't control himself. He was slapping his thigh and everything. So so he helped. Thank you, that man who was sat in front of me on the front row of the lower circle at the Empire. Because the woman next to me, I, I don't think she liked it. Maybe I'm projecting on the poor woman. Maybe she had a lovely time. But I, I didn't notice her laugh at any point. And I could see her hands were moving as though she was bored. And that, that kind of distracted me a little bit. So I was hoping she would leave at half time. Um, but she didn't. And it was still a great show. So I, I managed to smile for the better part of two hours. And that's what that's what, that's what what comedy does, I think. I'm a, I, I love comedy for that reason. And especially silly comedy. So if you can get to see Count Arthur Strong, either on the telly or on, um, or on his live show. And... I was pleased as well to see Terry Titter. Uh, he was in the show last year. I used to do this thing called Pilgrim Poets. This is when I was about 16. Um, it was, God, I can't I can't believe I remember the guy's name. It was a, it was a musician, I wonder if he's still out there, called um, Andy or Andrew Bowers. And he used to do this uh, night. Um, I think it was called Pilgrim Poets. Well, it was at the Pilgrim anyway. He used to run it. And he was a guitarist and a singer. And, but they used to have all sorts of people on. I used to go on and do some some of my 16-year-old songs. And uh, they used to have this guy on called Terry Titter, who was hilarious. Um, so we're going back, you know, a good three decades here. And he was hilarious. And I've always kept his name in mind and uh, wondered what he, he, he does with it. And he does these... Um, smashing shows at the Unity Theatre every Christmas. I don't think he did one last Christmas. But my point is, I was pleased to see um, that, like last year, Count Arthur Strong had him as part of the support and cast. He was playing Malcolm and he was playing Reenie. And it was good to see Terry Titter up there because um, I do really like his stuff. So check him out as well. He's a, he's a Liverpool lad, you see, Terry Titter. I don't think Count Arthur Strong is Steve Delaney who plays him. Um, but that was a lot of fun as well. So that's been my week. In terms of what's coming up next, as I say, I've got... Um, I'll be in the studio next week, actually. I'm just wondering what to do. But I put a new song out to my subscribers um, every month. So I'll be back in the studio tomorrow and on Tuesday. And I'm just wondering whether to to finish off something that I started recording and didn't finish a few months ago or whether to do something completely brand new, which is a song that's that's relatively recent. And I think it might depend on what my voice is like tomorrow, because uh, I was all unplugged last night, and I was giving it some welly. And I think maybe I might finish off the thing, because the vocals are already done on that, you see. So there's going to be a new song, basically, by the end of next week, which I'll be throwing out there. I'll be sticking it on YouTube as well, but if anyone wants to support me, go to, uh, to parrysongs.co.uk, and it'll show you... 
you know, how to become a monthly subscriber to, to keep me keeping on writing the songs and recording the songs that I do. And you get a whole load of goodies as well. And I'll also be sticking that song out on YouTube. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, what else am I doing? I'm going to see my mate Gary. Uh, we have one of our, our walks. Uh, we, we see each other every couple of months and we walk along the prom. And we have a, a long heart-to-heart where we put the world to rights and discuss all sorts of stuff. So... I'll be doing that as well. And then, of course, on on Friday, I'm going to be in Leeds. So a reminder there that I'm going to be at the Adelphi. Um, and I'm being invited over by the United Trade Union. And I'll be singing some songs for them. So if you want to come along to that, remember parrysongs.co.uk forward slash gigs. Scroll your way down to where we're up to in the calendar at the moment. Mid-year, according to the depressing message I got. And then, yeah, come along. I think they've got food on and stuff, and I think the organiser was a little bit worried that, you know, 200 people might turn up and he's only got maybe 20 butties. Um, but if you, So come along, and if you find that the food is scarce, leave it to the Unite people, but come and listen to me. I'll be, I'll be doing a full set for an hour there um, with my brand-new funky little handheld PA, which I'm really looking forward to, uh, to trying out. So, yeah, I think that's me done. Um... Yeah, that's me done, I think. Um, the only other thing is that I'm going to go and see The Sum um, next weekend. And uh, if you haven't seen that yet, it's a it's a play that's written by Liverpool singer and songwriter and playwright Lizzie Nunnery. So I'm really interested to, to, to see that. Um, her stuff is, is always pretty relevant and uh, it's the final day when I'm going to go and see it. So uh, I'm going to be popping along to the everyman. And, uh, but I might, I might be speaking to you before then. I'm not sure... Yeah, I'll probably see you next Sunday, actually, on the next podcast. So I'll I'll, I'll let you know how that was and stuff. Um, and also get along to any of the Everyman stuff. Because Fiddler on the, on the Roof, I really recommend. If there's any dates left of that, I thought that was fab as well. What a great show that was. Um, so that's all from me. I'm going to leave you with uh, a song of the week. I'm not sure what it is yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a random number generator to generate which song that I pick up. But until next time... Remember, leave me some sort of comment, you know, because I post stuff out there and, and I know that sometimes you don't even open my emails, you, you bunch of sods. So but open it, will you, and, and, and have a listen and, and let me know, because this is an experiment. I don't know if I'm going to keep on doing this. I was inspired to do it this way by an American comedian who I like called Bill Bear. And uh, this is kind of what he does. He does a Monday and a Thursday podcast and he just checks in and he... He, he chats nonsense, and I, I enjoy it. And I thought, well, maybe if I chatted nonsense, you'd enjoy it too. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed this 38 minutes worth of nonsense, and I'll see you on Sunday, and I'll play you out now with the song of the week. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you'd... Send me some questions, actually, because that would help. Because rather than just telling, me, telling you about my life, um, you know... You can be part of it. Send me some questions. They don't have to be about music or personal development or anything. They could be about any old stuff. Um, take the mickey, whatever you want to do. So I'll see you probably next Sunday, but certainly next weekend. And uh, enjoy the track. Tatty bye.
this house is star camper My voice echoes on the stairs In the ache of afternoon Through the ruins of our room There's a space in the wardrobe corner Where your clothes used to be A lover becomes a mourner Now you're not here with me Fare well To the future that we planned Fare well To the times you took my hand Fare well To all those sub-sad dreams Fare well Nothing's how it seems I make a cup of tea But habit tortures me Cause like I used to do I make a cup for you And then I come to my senses and pour it down the drain. All of these consequences of not seeing you again. Fare well to the future that we. Fare well to the times you took my hand. Fare well to all these soft sad dreams. Fare well. Nothing's how it seems But well I'll see you